0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Good afternoon. This is John Burroughs with Finance of America, your host today for your financial fitness. And our topic today is new development in the age of COVID-19. And our special guest and leading lady today is Katie Thurber. I'll give you a little background uh, on Katie. With over a decade of international and domestic industry expertise, uh, Katie Thurber is a thought-leading real estate agent whose professionalism, market knowledge, and attentiveness stands out. She considers herself an advocate, ambassador, and educator, and has a substantial track record, including over $150 million in sales. As a leader of a three-person sales team at Austin Nichols House in Williamsburg, Williamsburg, New York, and by the way, the only Williamsburg I ever knew growing up was in Virginia, where I used to live, but Williamsburg is a hip neighborhood in Brooklyn that draws the young and the fashionable to its chic boutiques, trendy cafes, and busy restaurants. I could go on and on, but I'll leave that for her, but she implemented an effective social media and brand collaboration strategy and closed on 110 apartments in just 18 months. So, Katie Server, welcome to the show, please say hello to our audience.
2: Thank you so much for the warm introduction, John, and it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, I'm going to let you give a little bit more background. I know I have uh, in my notes some of that in writing, but just a little bit of your career. Before you got where you are right here today, you had a rather colorful background uh, in other areas and have lived around the country, Pacific Northwest. So just kind of fill us in on a little bit of your professional background and what led you to where you are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been a journey, (laughs) to say the least. I've actually lived and worked in more than 18 countries. Um, So I've I've made my way around. I was born in Oregon, in Newport, Oregon, on the coast. Um, And then I actually ended up moving to Mexico for five years. Um, And that's where I started my career in development. But I actually was an architectural photographer by trade. So I started on the marketing end and doing large land um, photographs and luxury villa properties along the coastline in Puerto Vallarta and Sentinita. And then I got into the acquisition side and started assisting sales because it was a young American girl that could speak English, and a huge portion of the client base that we were dealing with was from the west coast of the United States and Canada. So I started learning how to – Bridge together these land deals and subdivide into developments. Um, so that's that's where it started when I was 17, and then I came to New York City actually on my 21st birthday and fell in love. I had never been to New York. Um, my parents didn't frequent the East Coast. I grew up on a horse ranch, so we were we were relaxing on the beach a lot of the time, um, and you know in the mountains. And I loved the energy and just the architecture, and I I knew immediately within 12 hours of being in the city that I wanted to live here. So I went back to Mexico. I sold my house, and I moved here 12 years ago. Um, I've always considered New York my, my home since I've moved over here, but I actually helped Airbnb launch in Europe and took a position with them um, taking photographs. And I was based in Italy, uh, but I was able to move through – 16 countries with them taking photographs and helping them expand their their database and then I've been pretty consistently in New York City working in real estate and development for the last eight years
1: um, so Wow,
2: that's, so that's you're basically achiever
1: right? Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> I haven't been busy <laughs> No, not at all all right.
1: Well, I've got my first question for you when, when did you actually discover your love for development?
2: I, you know, I honestly had never even thought about working in real estate development. Um, when I was young, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian, and I, I just loved animals. Um, but after working in the vet's office when I was younger for about six months, I knew it wasn't for me. It was a little too emotional. Um, and then when I started working in Mexico on the architectural photography side, I found it to be a little too solitary. And I was really enjoying working with teams of people um, and learning about neighborhoods and actually building communities. And I've always been a connector. Um, I was on student council when I was younger. I was president of our student council and started a lot of charities um, and was always doing community service. So I I've gravitated back towards wanting to do that um, and being able to facilitate homes for people I think that's one of the most intimate and cherished things about my life is being able to craft the way that people live and spend their most cherished moments together.
1: Interesting. Now, be, before the show, I'll, I'll admit to our listeners here that we did chat for a few minutes, and one thing popped up in the conversation when we were talking about uh, the new development, the age of COVID-19. So, I mean, obviously there were new challenges and new development projects facing um, or challenges for development projects facing during the COVID era, you know, where the priorities have shifted from home buyers and New York is such an, a unique area, too. So uh, tell us a little bit about how the COVID affected the business uh, or not, because there were several factors that we, we spoke of earlier that... Um, I found very interesting the differences is almost like yeah. night and day within the same city. So, dig into that a little bit if you would please.
2: I it's actually been so interesting the last two years for everyone on a global scale, but New York City. I mean, we were one of the epicenters um, for COVID, and we are clearly in a very dense urban environment where we're living vertically and stacked on top of each other. You know, in a lot of ways. So we it was pretty wild what happened here. our Our industry actually got shut down. So I wasn't legally allowed to work for four and a half months, which is pretty wild to think about because life doesn't stop when there's a pandemic happening. People have children, they take new jobs, they need to move, but our the entire city got shut down. And we saw a, a massive exodus happen out of Manhattan specifically. Um, I've been in the business for more than a decade. And I've never seen the vacancy rate above 4% in that time that I've been in New York city, the vacancy rate went up to 36% for Manhattan. Holy. So that's yeah. That, I mean, it was tremendous and very noticeable. I, I had many moments of these. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I am legend with Will Smith where he's alone in Manhattan. I, there were many, uh, moments of that, um, where you know everything was kind of boarded up and shut down and just really quiet uh, New York City you can't imagine walking in Times Square with no one around you, but I certainly did that um, so that was really interesting to see but i ha I do a lot of business in Williamsburg and Brooklyn, which is a borough of man of New York City um, and just right across the East River and I would go over to Brooklyn and life was there was still so much happening there, um, which was so interesting to me. Of course, people were being respectful and maintaining distance, but there were more cafes open in the streets. There were people just out moving around, um, and just life in general, you know, it felt like quite a bit warmer where New York there, it just felt really empty. Like the heartbeat of the city wasn't something, um, and you went over to Brooklyn, and it was like, wow, everyone is no one left, no one left this area. Um, the, of course, now we're in a very different place. New York City is—we're in the roaring twenties, as I like to say. Um, we are experiencing tremendous growth, and the the COVID deals that we saw—you know, there were no fire sales or fire deals happening in Brooklyn. Um, the market continued to grow, and a lot of the rest of the country of have seen that too. We're we're kind of in this scarcity um, space for housing, and there's bidding wars and not enough inventory, um, and the mortgage rates are so low. So we're seeing a lot of people wanting to make their home purchases. Um, but New York City, I mean, the sales prices. I was seeing like even 25 to 30 percent off on certain developments. I mean, people were desperate to get sales done. We've recovered from that, but but Brooklyn did not experience that. So it was really interesting to see this moment in time in New York City where it's some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Um, and, you know, we had just a dramatic shift um, with people wanting to leave. But New York is New York, and the beauty of this place is that it will be reborn over and over. So we're heading into this rebirth right now, which is really magical to be part of, and seeing all of these new restaurants come in, um, a whole new group of people coming into the city. And I know a lot of people are going to be starting back in the offices or planning to be back in the office at least part-time around September. Normally for us, we have some seasonality with our market. Um, typically the spring and the fall is very busy for us. Um, and there's a, a lot more homebuyers and people just starting new jobs and, or starting school and coming into the city, and the summer slows down. I have not taken a day off in 8 months. <laughs> oh, I, goodness. And it's 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 but it's amazing. I'm riding this wave of tremendous energy because there's so many people coming back and wanting to be here. It's so exciting to see it. Um, I, I can only it's imagine. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and, and it's good for me being on the West Coast to hear a perspective uh, and of another area of the country, and we're watching some exodus out of – I'm, of course, in San Diego County in Southern California, and we're watching an exodus. Coming out of California now, this last year was the first year they've seen more people leaving the state than they had coming in, which was very unique for, which is California is like a country of its own, basically, on the economic scale. So, you know, but uh, interesting to hear it from the East Coast perspective and how different within the same city uh, different factions and areas can be. So, uh, another question, I have a two-part question here for you. You know, basically, I know you've got a lot of uh, savvy, with the use of social media and digital marketing and, you know, and that's changed a lot in the past year. So basically I want to know how you've seen that change and and what new trends you're expecting to see as we go down the road a little further.
2: I honestly, in the last three, four years, social media has become the most powerful tool that I have in my arsenal for sales, um, which is, if you're not using it, then you will not survive, in my opinion, um, as a business in an urban environment. I think you you have to adapt always in business. But I was actually able to sell about 70% of this um, development that I had on the waterfront in Williamsburg solely through social media, through Instagram specifically. Now, in the four years since that's happened, a lot's changed with the platform and other you know, other forms of communication digitally that we've started to utilize. TikTok is the hottest thing right now, and Instagram is also shifting to Reels. Um, We all have really short attention spans just because we're taking in so much information nowadays, and, you know, it's all super accessible. I mean, you have pretty much any point of information you could ever want in the palm of your hand. Right. So we're, we're all glued on our screens pretty regularly. And that's how we take the majority of our information in um, outside of podcasts and the radio. It's also been a, a pretty massive shift um, in the way that we take information. But I'm moving image video is the most impactful uh, tools that I have in my sales repertoire. And we actually have a media studio within our brokerage. I work at Sirhan in New York City. We actually just launched our our flagship office here um, about two weeks ago, but we're a very new brokerage. We are nine months old um, and we have a pretty nice size headquarters and more than 90 people on our team now in that time. And a huge portion of that is our studios team. So I have a full film, sound, podcast production, everything that you could ever want under the sun within my office. Um, and and it makes my life uh, feasible, right? Like I can be constantly creating content, pushing it out, and I can get so many more transactions done because I have an in-house team. So it's it's pretty phenomenal um, how it's changed my business, having someone on site instead of having to go and source someone to do the content for me and, you know, communicate what my brand identity is.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're a step ahead of the rest of the marketplace there. But with that being said, before I jump into any further questions, we're going to take just a short break to run a commercial to thank our sponsors here for the Women Lead Radio Broadcast.
0: Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And, John, now back to your show.
1: Okay. Well, if you've just tuned in with us, we're speaking with our leading lady today, Carrie Thurber, licensed real estate salesperson, extraordinaire, I might add, with Sir Hunt in New York City, Uh, Williamsburg to be specific so all that being said uh, I'm going to kind of jump over to another subject here uh, Katie so travel and business as during this period of time through our COVID transition has been altered dramatically all of us know that Um, and so how do you see this whole global real estate market shifting and what do you think we can expect from you know any future collaborations in international business
2: I think I mean, we all know travel and has been altered tremendously, um, and that's also affected where people are deciding to move to now. Um, needing access to an airport, let's say for people that are traveling constantly for work hasn't been a, a top priority list. Um, and for us in New York City, we're such a global you know we're gl- one of the global headquarters, I would say, just for business in general. And so a huge portion of our client base here has been international historically, but we've seen a massive shift in that. So it's been really interesting to see people coming from within the country. Um, I, think, I think travel within the United States is going to become more prevalent, um, and I think we're going to be preferring to travel closer to home. Um, in terms of business, it's been really interesting because I do, I do a lot of international business still as well, even though I'm based in New York city Uh, because of my background and having traveled so extensively uh, and my real estate knowledge in other markets, I tend to co-list things like in Greece. Um, I do a lot of business in Spain and I'm still pretty active in Mexico and Canada as well. Um, But there's, there's still quite a bit of synergy happening with people wanting vacation homes. I think, the digital era has made it much easier to stay connected um, and people do still want to have a vacation home um, somewhere else or like a, a pied-a-terre you know their place in new york city to come and shop so i think that um i think travel is probably going to be a, a little more restricted i would say within the united states specifically we're going to see more people within our you know the borders buying um, in different markets within the U.S., but there is still a small group of people that are wanting to have a place um, internationally. It's just interesting, like vacation – my vacation home buyers are looking in, like, Colorado, that you know, and upstate New York, whereas they may have had something in Europe previously, just to stay a well, bit closer. It's, it's interesting, and I – Keyed
1: in on your comment. you say about travel, you think it to be more domestically. Now, I myself personally have not done any traveling at all since the onset of uh, COVID uh, and my first travel plans I have are going to be by vehicle only and then straight into the Sierra mountains. So I won't be around people that's for sure, but I do have plans to come and meet you face to face and have you give me a tour of your part of the city in October. Uh, We do have a a mutual uh, friend and family member there that brought us together. So I'm grateful for that. So I look forward to seeing everything you've got going on in your, in your wonderful city come uh, October. So I'm, I'm a great tour shift... guide.
2: I can't wait to have yeah, you. Yeah, I'll bet you are. <laughs> and
1: I can't wait to be there. Um, you know, I'm going to shift gears again here. Something about wellness. So, you know, I think with all the emphasis on this pandemic, uh, wellness has become more integrated into our day-to-day living, uh, more uh, awareness of it, I should say. So, you know, With all that being said and how people are looking at neighborhoods and community, what are your expectations for any first-time buyers entering this market right now?
2: Well, I'm actually so grateful that the awareness has come around being more sustainable and just having a healthier lifestyle in general. Um, that's a platform that I'm really passionate about, and I've always been interested in sustainable living um, and development, because if we're not taking care of our planet, we're not going to have a planet to live on. So there are some massive shifts that we need to be making in order to be living healthily. Um, And it's nice to see that starting to happen in urban environments, especially, but having outdoor space and gardening, I'm seeing so many more developments looking at having rooftop gardens and herb gardens, which, I love that as an education platform as well because a lot of inner city children don't have access to to learning about where their food comes from or growing food. Um, so I've been pretty focused on trying to implement that throughout the city and have gardens on the roofs as well um, and having programming for that. So I, I think that first-time homebuyers can start to expect to see um, – for us, we're obviously in vertical living spaces oftentimes, so you'll see massive floors of amenities with gyms. Um, something that I'm starting to see is dealer systems installed more regularly as well, and that's to filter the air so your air quality is very clean and water filtration as well. Um, mm. so that's that's at the top end of of development here in New York City and something that I actually am just about sold out at a development uh, at 61 Rivington Street in the Lower East Side, we have a beautiful library that we converted into 11 lofts. It was the first downtown library that had outdoor reading space, actually. I had that. Wow. Um, but they've installed all of the DLO systems there. And it's just – it's you don't have to think about anything. Um, you've got – you know, your air filtration is already in place, and that's obviously a big concern with COVID and airborne diseases, but just dust and pollution as well. Um, hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Gyms have always been at the forefront um, of, you know, a luxury building in New York City, but we're also seeing a lot of buildings start to do private dining rooms. So you can have a chef come and cook, and you don't have to be oh, actually in your apartment. And then you have entertaining space and a beautiful kitchen and, a you know, like a large dining area. And it makes it a lot more feasible when you have something like that in a building. If you're in a small one-bedroom or a studio, um, you actually have the opportunity to entertain, which I think is a really nice luxury. That that sounds like a great
1: idea. We have somewhere. Of course, I live in, in a community that is a beach community and very, very much – health conscious and family oriented too so i i really get what you're saying and resonates with me and i'm really thrilled to hear that those transitions of that emphasis in an area that's so dramatically different than the beach in southern california but it uh, sounds like somebody's put a lot of thought and energy into these uh, uh, re- these innovations in the way uh development is coming on before i forget to ask this question i wrote myself a yeah. note here while we're speaking languages, uh, I've i got mm-hmm. to assume that you're fluent in Spanish. I mean, I'm taking a wild I, guess yes. on that one. yeah, very much so. <laughs> but, what other fluent, language skills do you fluent. possess?
2: I, I've i been linguistically gifted. I wish I could speak six languages fluently, but I only speak three fluently, Um Italian, Spanish, and English. French and Greek are my next to to tackle. I think the French will be a bit easier, but I also have an additional business. I'm a community builder. That's like Mm -hmm. my calling in life. Um, And I've certainly found my niche and and my passion in that. And so I also love to practice yoga. It changed my life Um, just for mobility and, you know, staying centered. I deal with a lot of wild people in New York city and a lot of stressful (laughs) transactions for hundreds of millions of dollars. So I make sure that I get my morning practice in with meditation, but I started a yoga retreat business, um, in addition. So that's, it definitely helps to keep everything (laughs) balanced and calm and moving Uh, a little
1: more centered. Yeah. I like to call it centeredness. Yeah, absolutely. We both work Mm -hmm. in industries where stress. When you're dealing with people's money, you know, obviously things can get a little difficult from time to time, but I truly understand where you're coming from. Um, Are there any specific tips you'd like to share, whether it be East Coast, West Coast, but in general, any tips you'd like to share in in securing that first property for a first-time buyer? I mean, how to prepare for the move? you know, during this uh, current buyer's landscape, uh, what tips do you have?
2: I would say I think it's so important to work with a seasoned professional to help you navigate what's going to be the right area for you and to negotiate the best deal possible. Um, I know the majority of the country is seeing a real lack in inventory. So working with someone that's well-known in the industry in your area That can help you negotiate the best terms, and then also might have really good rapport with a broker on the other side of the deal. Um, I like to think of choosing your real estate agent as like choosing any other professional, healthcare professional even like a doctor. Like you want to make a few phone calls. Um, You don't just want to go with the first one willy nilly. Like make calls and see if you if it's the right fit because they're going to be advising you on most likely the most important financial decision you're going to be making in your life, um, especially initially, right? Because the idea is that you're, you can start to build wealth when you purchase property. You're not spending on rent, you're building equity. Um, so assemble your team, you know, of people that can help you um, find a good agent and get your pre-approval in place before you start looking. That's the other tip. Know how much you can afford so you're realistic with your wants and needs. Yeah.
1: Being in the lending industry, I can't emphasize that uh, any more myself. You, you hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, so, so many people, I think, don't take the time to do what I consider a true uh, interview with the potential agent, whether it be the lender, whether it be the realtor involved, and of course I'm sure with your reputation preceding uh, your Your group there uh, has a good reputation, and people will respect that too when they come to the table as opposed to somebody who's just random there. So I have to uh, punctuate, with exclamation point, kudos to your your insight there, and I think you've uh, given people probably the most... clear and precise information that you possibly can and recommendations. Um, Just in general, we're really, gosh, half hour goes by really quickly. We're running down to like the last (laughs) two minutes of our show. Um, Just in general, anything you'd like to share, success story or uh, where your team hit it out of the ballpark here in our last couple minutes, uh, you know, go ahead and toot your own horn. Uh, Did you
2: change somebody's life recently? I, yeah, actually, yes. I mean, we, I, it's been pretty incredible the last few months. We, our, our team has been doing astronomical numbers, um, but I'm so pleased with this library conversion that we have at 61 Rivington. Um, it's absolutely stunning apartments, but we were able to sell more than 50% of the project in under a week, which is Tremendous. I, I believe we're going to be the fastest-selling building, new development building, post-COVID, which is phenomenal. Um, I only have a few more to sell, but it's been, we're, we've only been on the market for a month. Um, so that's tremendous and really speaks to the fact that New York City is booming and back in action. Um, and it makes me so happy to be able to put – it's almost all first-time homebuyers as well that are going into this project. Um, which is really exciting for me. So I'm, I'm building this community there of incredible people that are coming into a neighborhood that's seen a lot of change. The Lower East Side is, I would say, similar in certain regards to Williamsburg in the sense that it was really industrial and seedy, and you know, it's gritty. It's got a lot of artists. There's tons of galleries, um, funky eateries and restaurants. There's street art everywhere. It's got that so, same kind of grit going on, um, and it's starting to to really turn into these special small boutique buildings instead of these really large towers. So I'm well, thrilled sounds, to be part of that. And,
1: sounds yeah. like quite the project there. Well, we've basically run out of time. We're last uh, down to our last few seconds here. I would like to, again, thank our leading lady uh, of the day here, Katie Thurber, for joining us on air. And I'd like to say... Um, Special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. We'll be back again with another Women Lead radio show Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and to all of our listeners, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Don. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence